What is a relinquishment? Giving up. What do you need to give up? Why? What does it mean? Why is it necessary? So what? What practically? What are the things you have to give up? Which you actually step to trying to relinquish, mm. forsake, trying to manage the suffering. Okay, so if you're not trying to manage suffering, but you still live with your spouse, children, can you keep that and then give up management and be an arahant, enlightened, free from suffering? Probably not. So there are certain things you have to give up, give up. So where is the line with the things you have to give up, give up? Maybe you should try to understand what things you don't truly need, or you can live without them and then... Yeah, that's a good, yeah. Basically, reevaluate like what is necessary to have, what isn't, and then start there. But obviously, sometimes that can result not that specifically, but people can have a view in regard to that whereby they think, okay, so if I give everything up, I'll be free. So they they don't use any discernment or reason to see where the line is, and just start throwing everything away, so to speak. And, yeah, that might result in a very simple life, but fundamentally, uh, you cannot do that with your own body and your own senses, and that's where the problem is. You can't just just discard it, like you can items that you possess. Um, so that needs to be understood while it is still there. So while you still have it, you need to understand how how you can not have it, really without destroying it, without blaming the eyes or ears for hearing or seeing and so on. People often think if I like something I should give it up. Uh, so for example if... Uh, I should give up my likes. Yes, whatever food I is my preference for example mm. I should stop eating that food. Mm. Is that a valid... Is it? No. Because that's not what the problem is. The problem is not that something is agreeable to you, because you, so if things are, the problem is that you can't see the line between something being agreeable and you needing to have it and needing to keep it and wanting it, hmm. or being enslaved by it or being dependent on it. So s just because something is agreeable to you, that you have a preference for something, doesn't mean you have to relinquish is. But what if you're emotionally attached to it? What if you so really... You're going to be miserable if you don't get what you like. Should you give it up then? So sometimes I think yes. Mm. It can it can help, but then there's a obviously a, a limit to that. Like you can't give up all food because you can't... just because you can't stop having some kind of desire in regard to food. But would example. it be okay that somebody gives up only food that they like? and only eat stuff that they don't like. Would that result in, in, in growing their mind? And uh, No. Why not? Because it's still acting out of likes and dislikes. Just denying, just doing the opposite. Right, but they're not feeding their likes anymore. They're not eating the stuff they like. They only eat the stuff that they don't like. Yes, but they're acting out of the same thing. Which thing? Preference. Just turning it the other way. The uh, the preference towards the, the yes, liking food. The taste. Or sure. Mm -hmm. And what else is a problem there? 
the belief that the problem is uh, exactly yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah your preference your like your emotional dependence was not in the taste mm-hmm. so yes there is a practical line there as in if you are if you have no perspective then yeah maybe give it up like don't eat that just to mm-hmm. see whether your mind will be disturbed and how much but fundamentally yeah uh, that is not where the problem is mm-hmm. the problem is in the desire and lust that's infecting your thoughts not the sense objects and that's where the uh, uprooting that's where the true relinquishment happens but in order to even kind of comprehend that direction yeah some practical physical relinquishment needs to be done needs to be actually uh, performed so yeah uh, references of course the precepts things you would give up through the precepts um, and then uh, further than that yeah you can you know everybody can get really inspired <coughs> with the idea of your still life and then just start throwing everything out but now that can become an issue <coughs> you might be just acting out of a view that implies that problem was in these things not in my desire and lust on the mental level uh, but if on the other hand you use some practical kind of reasoning is like, well do I really need this can I live without it certainly it's better to be less cluttered certainly it's better to go in the direction of relinquishment and simplification but and then then fine then if you decide the things can be dismissed given up given away that's that's all right but you still keep the perspective that the that the problem is actually fundamentally on the level of the the mind taking up those things the mind taking up the uh, the, the the preferences with lust leaning towards them with lust with aversion and so on what kind of relinquishment then because the sutta say basically that pretty much the prerequisite for establishing a mind and dwelling in jhana is the complete relinquishment and even the like even satipatthana which is generally the practice of mindfulness presupposes um, overcoming happiness and concerns in regard to the entire world and then you can dwell mindfully so that's also a form of relinquishment uh, to what extent I mean I don't need to ask to what extent I just said it the entire world but what would be the okay enough what would be the practical examples of giving up and overcoming happiness and relinquishment in regard to the entire world so you keep the precepts you're not engaging with sensuality but there is still obviously more to the world what are the other things you have to give up practically not just metaphorically in order to be able to surmount the world to surmount the concern regarding the world in order to be able to dwell correctly mindful in order to experience that Vosaga that suttas talk about that then you are truly detached from the realm of thinking and pondering the mind is withdrawn from it and that is the first jhan what are those things you have to give up so obviously coarse sensuality, coarse ill will, sure indulgence in food of course, company of course but what else now? There's more to that, obviously. Maybe it's uh, you know, like indulges in thought. I'd say like to to put too much uh, value on uh, sort of arranging things. Uh, uh, if you see that that this ultimately is futile, and uh, I mean, and recognizing that there's a hindrance. Uh, you mean like arranging things on the level of the thought? Yes. Sort of 
controlling it or making it whatever. Yeah, sort of, yeah, quieting it. Uh, yeah, but see, the problem with that could be that somebody can do that before they got the right view. So they're quieting their mind down with ignorance. So they still don't know the escape, but they start valuing the non-disturbance. But seeking the, the practice is disturbing, but it's a good type of disturbance because it can result in the right view that can then result in complete liberation. That was the, we spoke about it relatively often, the, when somebody, and even the Buddha himself said, in that the two types of thought, like you, you would first realize, oh, the problem is the unwholesome thoughts, not thought in itself. Then he put them into two categories. Anything that's greed, aversion, delusion, he would not engage with. Anything that's greed, non-greed, non-aversion, delusion, he would allow. And when greed, aversion, delusion present himself, he would not like trying to get rid of it, get rid of it, but he would just remind himself of the context, of the peril, of the danger, of how little satisfaction, how this is intending for his harm, for harm of others, for harm of all. Then those thoughts would subside on their own. And that was his practice. And that was not peaceful. That was still work. That was still burden, obviously, on the right level of enduring these thoughts, pressuring you, not acting out, and then re-establishing the context in regard to them until they subside. When he fully developed that, completely, sort of, when all he had was the good non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, he was still maintaining the context, and then he realized, oh, but yeah, I don't need to do this now, because these thoughts are not harmful. So what if I just don't let them be? Oh, and by the way, there was that difference in that Madhyama um, Agama, in that Sutta. In Pali, it doesn't really, it just goes into second jhana. But this explains how he was first intentionally involved with maintaining the context and doing that bhavana in regard to the unwholesome states until they subside. Um, then after that, when he had wholesome states endure, he realized, oh, I don't need to be intentionally involved with this context constantly because these thoughts are not contradicting it, not going against it. And then he, oh, what if I allow these thinking and pondering basically to be? And instead just unify my mind internally on the basis of this wholesome environment that I have worked for. And then he entered the first jhana. And then furthermore then goes into second. So that was like missing step I was talking about that you wouldn't find in the Pali Sutta. So that's the point. So like... Um, Yes, you shouldn't be, or like, you know, if somebody is trying to control the thoughts and make any plan, yeah, you you, you got to recognize that it's not going to lead to a solution. But at the same time, thoughts are not a problem. First jhana is thinking and pondering entirely. And it's the peaceful, sublime abiding that's sufficient for arahanship when the mind is uh, um, thoroughly withdrawn from it. Uh, so the problem is that whether those thoughts are looting, greed, aversion, delusion, distraction, cruelty, and so on. And those are now subtle things that I was leading to by asking what are the other less subtle things you need to give up before you can start discerning these roots of your thoughts in regard to the world. So given that core sensuality is gone, you know, cruelty, acting out of anger is gone. What are the things that are not gone? There's worldly gain, renown, status, position. Okay, so basically kind of your relationship with others, Ideas, the, the connections, yes. comparisons. Go on. Well, I was going to suggest that it would then come down to the level of views, relinquishing the dependence on, well, would come down to different types of wrong views in regard to the world. So how would one practically 
relinquish views in regard to the world, relinquish dependencies on the notions of others and so on. What do you, what do you practically need to do? Can you just start thinking about those things and relinquish them by figuring them out? Or you do need to increase that certain level of withdrawal from certain things, in the same sense precepts withdraw you from certain unwholesome behaviors by body and speech. Yeah, it seems to me that this desire for gain and renown and status and position is all bound up with self-view as well. Mm. Like, you know, there's got to be a self-image here or a notion of self here, which then, you know, will... And then there will be others, and then there's this comparison, better, worse, and all the rest of it. Yeah, that's all kind of the result of it. But as I said, in order to come to that, Mm. which is a problem, what do you need to give up? Your household life. Um, Household way of life. In a way, yeah. More specifically, (coughs) so Um, if you... Or delighting in company. uh, There you go. So basically, delighting in company, as in... um, But what does it mean to delight in company? Yeah, we can get to that as well. Actually, because it doesn't just mean... Because people can think, oh, uh, Buddha said seclusion, and I'm always in seclusion, but the real reason is because I really have ill will towards everybody else. Mm. And it's like, well, that's not the seclusion, because you're not secluded. The Buddha said the true seclusion, like the one dwells in company, even when he's alone, if his mind is not free from greed, ill will, and delusion. So, yes, physical seclusion is necessary, but the reason why you do it is even more necessary, more important. So... Physical withdrawal, not seeking company, not finding delight in company, kind of, yeah, that would diminish you referencing yourself from the point of view of company and others. Uh, you distracting yourself from the, again, point of view of company. What what other things in regard to the world? Like this, how would you abandon concerns in regard to the world? What do you need to give up? What makes you concerned regarding the entire world and people and so on? So we're talking about giving up central behavior, ill will okay what else you do on the level of your senses with the world how are you engaging with the world so through company what are the things well I suppose seeking through information about it seeking exactly yeah engaging with the level of information news Mm -hmm. distraction views on the level of ideals that pertain in to regard to the world, the world, better place, all of that needs to be abandoned, just to begin Satipatthana rightly. Because those are all factual concerns. They might not be apparent to somebody who is also like crowded with sensuality and household life and so on. Once you withdraw yourself from that, yeah, that's what the mind will revolve around. Those are the underlying bases there. And that's why even like the, when the Buddha describes a monk, obviously with the right view, says a skilled monk, a noble disciple, abandons, having been withdrawn physically from these um, sensuality, aversion, ill will, he abandons thoughts of, of sensuality, thoughts of cruelty, thoughts of harming. Then he abandons, uh, like they're kind of considered coarse, then he also abandons thoughts of his own like clanhood and homeland, and, and basically on the level of now, that's where your conceit is, who you are in that broader sense. So pretty much concerning, you know, the, the level of the world as us humans, he abandons even those thoughts. by Again, not by denying them, not by trying to get rid of them, but by, okay, I have those thoughts now enduring in this mind. Well, let me establish the same context I was established for when it came to sensuality. These thoughts lead to more conceit, more suffering, more burden. Whenever there is identity, whether traces of identity or full-blown identity, 
dukkha will find a footing. Thus, by thinking these thoughts, I am not inclining this mind towards peace, I'm inclining it towards harm, towards myself, towards others, towards everything else. And and that's that, so you have to give up, so, and you wouldn't be able to give up these thoughts if you're still in company of others, spending your time talking about politics and kings and worlds and ministers, as the suttas would mention, well, we have the present equivalent of that, reading news, reading information, keeping in touch with, with happenings, even if not necessarily, you know, political or something, but just, oh, in the world of science, in the world of art, in the world of this, in the world of, full stop, means you still have certain connections to it internally. And that's truly where the problem is. And for as long as those things are not given up on that external level, these thoughts will not be seen for what they are, the, the subtle ones. And even the duty towards the family. I mean, the whole point of the homeless life was leaving it all behind. So, like, you know, many monks would be kind of, oh, but it's still, it's my duty towards family, my own family. It's like, well, to that extent, you will not be abandoning thoughts of your clanhood and, 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 and belonging and uh, caste and wherever you come from, because you are still taking on that external duty of, of uh, through which you are maintaining this internal identity. It has to be, I am alone in this world for which I have no more happiness nor concern. And the reason that you would have no more happiness or concern in regard to the world is precisely because you would see also that, for example, you know, the, if you get bothered by, like, war going on in the world or poverty going on in the world or mm. things going on, but you see what is the root cause of any yeah. of those things greed aversion delusion for yeah. example so if you're taking if you see where that problem is rightly in yourself you couldn't be you could not be yeah. concerned whatsoever exactly. with anything that goes on with the world yeah. you're taking that seriously that is why you're concerned That's with the world exactly because you are <laughs> because not. of those things that are root of all these problems and concerns and seeking the safety and so on so that needs to be relinquished as well is it uh, obviously mundane uh, right view mm. and that wrong view that says there is no mother, there is no father, no world, no next world, nothing. No next world, there's nothing, there's no given. You know, yeah. it doesn't really exist. Mm. See, I'm not identified with any of those yeah. things. Thus it's right. But that's actually the wrong. It's upside down. Yeah. yeah. You, there you is mother, there is father, there yeah. is family. And you have overcome the concern in regard to it. Yeah. Not, not you have denied denying. it or got rid of them or threw them out like you would throw your, throw your possessions. And that's the point. That's what I mean. Like, oh, so you can't throw out the world. You can't throw out your senses. Or, well, you can, but you would still equally be bound by those domains, by those consciousness. By you, you're not free. What you can do is overcome that basis for concern, for lust, for aversion, for distress, for needing the safety. That base is basically that's, that's keeping you from your mind from being liberated from it. But as I said, its, it's, it's the roots are on the mental level, but in order to arrive at that, certain practical giving ups need to be done. So like refraining from seeking out information, um, engaging, discussing these things, they're like, yeah, but I mean, I can, but there's none to this. And there's, but there must, but... It, why? Because you feel insecure and unsafe. Well, does it come from the world, the lack of safety? Or does it come from a mind that's not liberated? Yeah. You're making a choice there. If you act towards the world, well, 
you got your answer. You might claim that you are still practicing for liberation. You're not. You, you had a crossroads and you perpetually keep choosing back onto the world. And that's exactly how you would go beyond the central domain. Not by suppressing it so it doesn't come up anymore. No, but literally you stepping out. So you see it over there. And you see how safe you are because that thing cannot not... It can only be over there and you know that. That's what it said like in the first jhana. The thoughts are assailed by perceptions of sensuality that you basically withdraw yourself from. Because that's kind of what's in front. But you are outside now. So, and sometimes uh, there are um, concerns to, to it that, you know, being withdrawn from all these talks and whatever may uh, produce sort of an uh, impression on others that you are avoiding them that you are sort of uh, hostile to them, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I mean, even in monastic environment, as yeah. so uh, basically... Uh, you have to take it on as, as your responsibility. You have to accept it. Because yeah. some people will probably see it that way. And mm -hmm. So you have to accept that, yeah, well, that's... And see, that's why people would keep in touch. Oh, mm -hmm. let's touch base. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep seeing and talking to each other every day so we all see that we are all right because... I mean, we still might be all right. But the fact that somebody's now withdrawn from it, the mind starts thinking, what if they're not all right? What if they're upset with me? It's like, well, yeah, there is no end to that proliferation. The only end to that proliferation is to recognize, okay, well, have I done anything by body, speech, and mind to make them upset? Mm -hmm. No? Then, okay, then this mind that's trying to make me go back there to make sure nobody's upset with me, I will restrain. I will reestablish context in regard to it until those thoughts subside. All if upon reviewing you just, oh yeah, no, I did act a bit like this or a bit like that. Well, then go and apologize, sort it out. But still, do not use whether you feel good or bad as a criteria whether you should act, but actually use your reflection and see whether there was anything done by body speech towards them to make them upset. If not, then you got to endure the irrational mind that's trying to get you out of the solitude and seek safety in your tribe. And that's, that is, so the, the thoughts of, oh, what will... What will my peers, what will my clan, what does my family, what does my brothers think of me? But those are the factual concerns. It's not like these random kind of abstract thoughts that a skilled monk would have. No, it's like on the level of sensuality and ill will that now you abandoned. Well, what took their place are thoughts about who you are, who you were, how others see you, your past, your, your everything. So, oh, it's going to have that same weight. And now you practice that right context in regard to it, which means it's not always going to be uh, feel feel pleasant. In the same sense, practicing the context against the, you know, I don't know, central pull or acting out of aversion won't be won't feel pleasant. That's also quite directly related to um, being unable to see wholesome as wholesome and unwholesome as unwholesome, because what have measuring your yourself what I should do or what I shouldn't do did I act wrongly or mm. not on the level of what do what will my clan my the people I admire the people or whatever what will they think of me mm. uh, is basically what can in the beginning you might need to use the um, advice of wise people to send you in a good direction but at some point you need to be able to discern for yourself what is acting wholesome, what is acting unwholesome, and not depend on basically... Yeah, and when you do, those thoughts will still come. Yes. 
because that's what the, the mind does. But then and you it still has the habits rooted in those subtler mm -hmm. forms of lust and aversion. Uh, but yeah, if you have the right reference, you won't be acting out of how those thoughts mm -hmm. make you feel. You won't be acting out of doubt, in other yeah, words. Exactly. You would know better to know, I've got to endure this and re-establish the context until subside on its own, subsides on its own. Or, oh yeah, no, okay, I, I should actually make some effort externally, sort the issues I created, and then go back to this either way. Yeah. Mm. I remember one discussion with one monk about it, and, uh, well, basically he was referring to the Buddha himself, talking, well, having small talks, basically, when somebody comes to him and they exchange some uh, greeting. Yeah, uh, yeah pleasantries and Yeah, stuff. Pleasant, uh, pleasant talks. So, um, uh, so uh, how, how to, un so w to understand where is the limit to it, so to say? The reason behind. See, they came, started small talk for other purpose, so he met with us, so it's like a way of expressing sort of friendliness, okay, but and then it would go into a point. So he wouldn't have a small talk for the sake of distraction, for the sake of non-perspective for the sake of greed or aversion he wouldn't mm. have the small talk for the sake of carelessness mm. um, so yeah that's what it is mm -hmm. maybe yeah maybe one can say then that well um, as long as one sees that these talks really produce some uh, well no well, one main thing is that as long as one realizes one is not the Buddha not mm. even an Arahant mm. one will not understand how can Arahant have a small talk mm. so until then, maybe take the small talk seriously in that sense. Do it only, like as I said, as a as a as a, as a like a as a way of relating to others, mm -hmm. but not more, not less, not not make a big deal out of it either. I want to talk to you, and stop talking to me, and then get angry, ev angry with everyone who tries who says good morning to you or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but fundamentally, recognize, yeah, I don't know where the line is because if I did, I would have the right view and be on the verge of arahantship and so on. And when I am, then I'll figure out how can the Buddha speak with kings about, you know, po seemingly pointless stuff. Um, so there is that order of, of things. Mm. So could the criterion be um, that as long as I know that this sort of talks is, is sort of unwholesome to me at least, I, I should refrain from them? If you know what unwholesome is. Like not not like, oh, I don't like this. That doesn't necessarily mean it's unwholesome. No, I mean, let's say producing all these concerns. And I mean, let's say there are some, let's say, innocent talk about politics. I know that you have stepped <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, then I think that's I, an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, sure. Yeah, of course. Like if, oh, I don't want my mind going there. Yeah. Yeah, you just, you, 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 not, you don't have to talk to it. And mm -hmm. if people keep insisting, then you, you basically stop associating with them. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Because yeah, you 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 know, just general household life. That those are the factual, real life concerns, and they should not pertain. That's why, like you know, even like in the suttas, you know, when when monks would sort of put put each other down, they would say like, oh, you can't take him seriously. He's intimate with householders. Mm -hmm. He has householders for his friends. Mm -hmm. Means pff, he's not a proper monk. That's all it took. Having householders as your friends, because you kind of share their concerns by implication. Uh, but then there were cases of Arahants having householders for the friends. So in and of itself, as I said, that's not where the root of the problem is. But m most practically, for most people, yeah, that has to be restrained until you actually uproot it. And then to what extent you'll engage in those talks afterwards, you'll see. But it won't be done for the sake of distraction or whatever else. Or out of sea. Like, I don't really care about the politics, but I care what others think about me. And now they want to talk politics, and if I don't politics, they'll think bad about me, so I'll talk politics, or whatever they want to talk. Well, that's equally unwholesome. Mm 
So I'm acting out of that weakness. No, I need to take on the weight. Yeah, they might talk badly about me behind my back. That's fine. And that's part of relinquishing my concern, uh, my conceit defined by others. It's not going to be pleasant because it was something you accrued and, and, and uh, lived by. So it's, it's who you are pretty much.